Our lesson today is from 1 Kings chapter 3. The king went to Gibeon to sacrifice there, for that was the principal high place. Solomon used to offer a thousand burnt offerings on that altar. At Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night, and God said, Ask what I should give you. And Solomon said, You have shown great and steadfast love to your servant, my father David, because he walked before you in faithfulness, in righteousness, and in uprightness of heart towards you. And you have kept for him this great and steadfast love, and have given him a son to sit on the throne today. And now, O Lord my God, you have made your servant king in place of my father David, although I am only a little child. I do not know how to go out or come in, and your servant is in the midst of the people whom you have chosen, a great people, so numerous they cannot be numbered or counted. Give your servant, therefore, an understanding mind to govern your people, able to discern between good and evil. For who can govern this, your great people? It pleased the Lord that Solomon had asked this. God said to him, Because you have asked this and have not asked for yourself long life or riches or for the life of your enemies, but have asked for yourself understanding to discern what is right, I now do according to your word. Indeed, I give you a wise and discerning mind. No one like you has been before you, and no one like you shall arise after you. I give you also what you have not asked, both riches and honor all your life. No other king shall compare with you. If you will walk in my ways, keeping my statutes and my commandments as your father David walked, then I will lengthen your life. Then Solomon awoke. It had been a dream. He came to Jerusalem where he stood before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. He offered up burnt offerings and offerings of well-being and provided a feast for all of his servants. Later, two women who were prostitutes came to the king and stood before him. One woman said, Please, my lord, this woman and I live in the same house, and I gave birth while she was in the house. Then on the third day when I gave birth, this woman also gave birth. We were together. There was no one else with us in the house. Only the two of us were in the house. Then this woman's son died in the night because she lay on him. She got up in the middle of the night and took my son from beside me while your servant slept. She laid him at her breast and laid her dead son at my breast. When I rose in the morning to nurse my son, I saw that he was dead. But when I looked at him closely in the morning, clearly it was not the son I had borne. But the other woman said, no, the living son is mine and the dead son is yours. The first said, no, the dead son is yours and the living son is mine. So they argued before the king. Then the king said, one said, this is my son that is alive and your son is dead. While the other says, not so. Your son is dead, and my son is the living one. So the king said, bring me a sword. And they brought a sword before the king. The king said, divide the living boy in two, then give half to one and half to the other. But the woman whose son was alive said to the king, because compassion for her son burned within her, please, my lord, give her the living boy. Certainly do not kill him. And the other said, it shall be neither mine nor yours. Divide it. Then the king responded, Give the first woman the living boy. Do not kill him. She is his mother. All Israel heard of the judgment that the king had rendered, and they stood in awe of the king because they perceived that the wisdom of God was in him to execute justice. The word of our Lord. In the name of Jesus. Amen.
At 9.54 a.m. yesterday, the first call to the police was made from inside the Tree of Life Synagogue in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Eleven people were murdered and several more were injured. Earlier this week, it was announced that our government was planning to define an entire demographic of Americans out of existence, opening the door for discriminatory policies against thousands of our neighbors. A caravan of migrant people continue to flee their homes and livelihoods in search of a better life for themselves and their families. All while political ads run amok with falsehoods, personality attacks, and dangerous accusations. What a world we live in. Two women seek an audience with King Solomon. These women are the lowest of the low rungs on the social ladder in ancient Israel. They are two women who are unmarried and who are considered prostitutes. King Solomon has every excuse in the world to ignore their need and to move on. However, he chooses to listen to them. King Solomon decides that they have a problem which needs resolving and that he is able to help resolve it. So we listen to both of them and solve the problem relatively fairly. Now we can all debate the efficacy of his way of deciding who the baby belonged to. I was stuck on this part the whole week because who pulls a sword on a child? I was trying to figure out all week long, what is this text revealing to us about God and about ourselves? Further, my cynicism of the text ran wild as I saw the exact same pattern in this text as any other piece of political propaganda attempting to glorify the king as a great king no matter what, which we all certainly know we don't need any more of that today. So if the story then is not about those things, then, well, what is it about? It strikes me this morning that we are asking questions about wisdom on this Reformation Sunday, exactly nine days before a pivotal midterm election. As Solomon prays for wisdom to discern, so are we called to pray for God's wisdom to come upon us. As Lutherans, we are descendants of a long line of theologians and traditions which call us to keep our eyes and our hearts and our minds open to the Holy Spirit. Martin Luther worked tirelessly to re-understand God's relationship with all of creation. The church in Martin Luther's time did not care about the community in which it served, and Luther worked to reform it. He did so primarily with a simple phrase, simul justus et peccator. We are at the same time saint and sinner. When we say that we are saint and sinner at the same time, we say that we are all on a level playing field in the eyes of our God. We are all saint and sinner not so that we can have a sense of pride or a sense of failure. Instead, being saint and sinner is a call. It's a call to shirk off the desire to be perfect. It's a call to be vulnerable to and transformed by God's love. And it's a call to be in relationship with our neighbors because there is nothing which divides us. We are called to crack ourselves open so that the same wisdom which was upon Luther and upon King Solomon might also be upon us. 
This morning, I want us to think deeper about our vocation as people of God. I want us to dig deep into ourselves and to ask the harder questions of how God's love is shown to everyone while caring for the despair so many feel today. So let's put this story into a more familiar context. Two people walk into their home congregation on this Reformation Sunday morning, and after listening to the the past week's news headlines, one of the people says to their church, this church is losing its moral authority, and allowing people to choose their gender is the last straw. This church must condemn the LGBT community. And the other person says, this church is not doing enough to support the LGBT community, and we must work harder to ensure that all people feel welcome. So what do we do? Both people in this scenario are coming from a place of despair. One is angry and and maybe even frustrated because our culture is changing too much and too rapidly and our Christian morality that we held on to for so long no longer applies. The other, the second, is also angry because they see the church as being complacent, as not doing enough. They want to see the church do so much more on the political scene. Living in community is kind of hard, isn't it? But we have been taught by our ancestors that we are first and foremost called to care for both individuals. Both of these people clearly have things going on, and they clearly have questions that they need answering. So how do we care for both? This is our question each and every day as a person of faith in whatever community we find ourselves in. The wisdom of King Solomon, which came from God, was not the wisdom to draw the sword upon the child. Instead, it was the wisdom to allow the two women to be heard. It was the wisdom to know that these two women came before him in a place of immense grief and anger and despair. They wanted peace and justice, and the king just happened to be there to provide it for them. We are the gathered church of Christ. We are called to be open to the same wisdom. We are called to ensure that all people who find themselves in a place of grief or anger or despair might be heard and might be given peace and justice. We do not do this so that God will love us, but we do this because God loves us and because God's love for us overflows into the world. Every Reformation Sunday, we are reminded of this promise that God's love is for us and for our neighbors. It's unconditional and that that love doesn't divide us, but unites us. Our job is not to question each other's humanity. Our job is not to judge others for what they look like or how they worship or the socioeconomic class they find themselves in. In all things, we are called to love and to lead in love. We are called to show God's love to the world, to reform the systems which prohibit God's love, and in all things, work to ensure that all people 
might be welcomed into God's love in peace, in justice, and in wholeness. Amen.